Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Good morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night. It is so good to see you all on the podcast. Once again, I have an incredible episode for you. As some of you probably realized, some people I know and some people I get connected to in other ways. It's like I've got these three buckets of everyday innovators I get to interview. One is people who reach out to us and say, hey, I've got a story. I've got something I've done I want to share with the world. The second bucket is people I get to meet at keynote speeches through my clients, right, who are doing innovative things. And then the third bucket is people that I know in my life who I've watched do incredibly innovative things, who have driven their life and made transformation possible for themselves and for those around them. And today is one of those people. So I'm super excited to have her on. So let me tell you a little bit about Denise's everyday innovator style so that she can introduce herself and we can get to the good stuff, all the nuggets of wisdom. So Denise is an instinctual inquisitive. So the instinctual is about circuitous thinking patterns. So while most of us are A to B to C to D, Denise is more like A to X over to L, back to X over back to A. But here's the beauty in that. People who have instinctual in them are really good at taking all these things that seem random, all these like pieces of information and turning them into really valuable insights. They see patterns. They see how things connect. And then the inquisitive side is all about digging deep, challenging assumptions, doing things differently because they don't necessarily take things on the surface. It's like, well, why? Well, what if, right? So they're always kind of poking the bear that way. It's so cool. So that combination, instinctual inquisitive, brings connective, deep innovation to the table. And I know, because I know her, in this conversation, you're going to hear it come out in some of her stories. So Denise, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to interview you and to see your face. Tell them who you are and what you do. Um, well, I always start off that I'm a professional mother um, <laughs> because I have five kids, which has really, in some ways, restrained and guided my life. Um, and then I think what I'm most known for is my husband and I created Mighty Movement Academy, which is the world's largest kids youth strength training gym. So we work with kids as young as kindergarten, but mainly starting in middle school and we do strength training with them. Um, We have found methods that work for building kids up without breaking them down um, and getting them to build strength at a very young age. Will you, so I love what you do. And will you share a little bit about your journey to get to opening up this business? Yeah, I can try my best to keep it (laughs) brief. Um, Actually, my husband got an engineering degree from the University of Florida, and I um, have a mathematics degree and went and got a master's in education and then completely abandoned these (laughs) degrees um, and got into like self-taught fitness. Um, We both wanted to live more than just a mundane life. Um, We both wanted to pursue some of our passions. We found out that... um, one of our overlapping um, passions was fitness training. So we gathered from various sources. Um, We had our second child before I turned 25. Uh, So that puts us in the young bracket. 
And then a year later, we opened our first gym. So Neil went from being a snowboard bum. I was just got my teaching degree and was teaching. Um, and we decided to take a different path. Um, in this kind of scheme, we trained for about four or five years and decided to sell literally everything we had. Our home, we put our pots and pans and our books in a storage unit. At this time, we had three kids and we took off to Fiji. And I think a lot of people think, oh, wow, Fiji, resorts, Mai Tais. Um, but it was, it was Fiji, solar panels, catching rainwater, planting food. Um, so we lived a very unique lifestyle. And after about your hundredth day of nothing sitting on the beach, you start to reflect on what your life really is supposed to be about. Um, and I don't know that a lot of people get that opportunity in this fast paced world. And we decided that we could not like run a business in Fiji, just the economic climate's not conducive to that. And we said, what do we love doing? And we had started training kids in the U.S. right before we left, kind of bombed in many ways. It was really hard. It never caught on. It never stuck. Um, but we said that was the best thing we've ever done. And so if we go back to America, we got to work. We got to have service. We got to help people because sitting here by yourself, collecting food and water is just, <laughs> it's not going to bring fulfillment. And we came back and we um, opened a youth strength training gym. And I heard the phrase, thank God, it takes um, overnight success or 10 years in the making because we started very slow. Um, we came back and the only money we had, we put towards buying a car. We stayed in our friend's house. They were remodeling a crack house. So we, we had a tiny little room with a hole in the ceiling that splashed me every time it rained. And my kids were sleeping on the couch with, with their pit bulls. But we said, let's do what we want to do. Our lives were so simple. So we set out with six kids. And now we have a gym that services a few hundred people, um, training them for strength. Hey, I, first of all, I'm so glad you share that because I knew, I knew when you guys came back, you definitely sacrificed, right. To open the gym and to make the transition back. I don't know. I realized how much, so I'm just curious, Denise, because I think you might be one of the most positive people I've ever met and I'm pretty positive. And then sometimes I walk away from the pocket. I'm like, was I positive enough? Was <laughs> negative? Like, so. And I mean that like in a total compliment, but in those moments where like water is splashing you in your bed and like, you know, the, there's a, the moments of struggle, right? H how did you, how did you keep your mind in the right place to keep going? Um, well, I did not. The universe pushed me into a predicament during this, um, which is I got pregnant with twins, of course, <laughs> as I'm living in this crack house. Um, uh, and I have so much fight in this dog when it comes to kids. When I think of taking care of someone that cannot take care of themselves, I would sacrifice my life for that. I would do anything and everything. And so because of our kids, we chose strength training because our kids could come to the gym with us. And I think thinking of keeping my kids fed, which was really hard at the time, um, keeping my husband motivated to work because he's just a lackadaisical guy was, was really what 
kept pushing us. I just, I, my whole life, I feel like I've been clawing and the more pressure you put on me, the harder I go. That that's just how it was. And I was like, wow, this is, this is the epitome of pressure. We must make this work. We must show up. We must give everything because this dream is worth it. Um, so I think the, the pressure of feeding people and keeping them alive was <laughs> a solid motivation to trying to make this dream come to life. You know what I love about that though, Denise, is um, I think that sometimes we avoid the struggle, right? We want to make it easier. We want to kind of leap over the struggle. And of course, we don't want to make, none of us want to, I, I've been there too. We're like, oh my God, how, am I going to be able to pay for the groceries, right? Like you go to the grocery store with like a certain amount of money. Rent already five days. Right. right. Oh like the mental math of like, if I put this chicken in there, do I do a six pack of eggs now? Cause I can't do a 12. Like I- I've been there and it's, it's not fun. However, uh, there's something really amazing that happens to a lot of people in the struggle that doesn't happen if life was easy. And yeah, I think that, I think that we should sometimes maybe even seek it out a little bit to help us get stronger. Yeah, I actually, there's, for my faith, there's a very popular saying that is, be generous in prosperity and thankful in adversity. Adversity is the catalyst for growth, is the catalyst for change. Somehow when you're at your lowest, there's not a whole lot of energy to go out. So there's a lot that can come in. And I feel like there's some magic that happens when you're you're really down on your luck. Now, it might take years weeks, months to reveal that, but the initiation, the start, the seed cracks open at that moment. And there's a lot of growth that comes from that. I love that. You're listening to conversations with everyday innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy. But before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T 
T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Um, so you've accomplished a lot, a lot, and you've come from nothing to accomplish a lot. What is your, what are you most proud of or your big win? Oh man, you know, I would love to say it's my kids because that's what I would say, but I think I got to keep this um, with, with the business tone here. And I would say that synthesizing information from multiple people and sources to create something that did not exist, to take pieces of people's brain power and combine it in a unique way. And I think that's what you were saying earlier about taking X and Z and L and M and R and connecting them. I feel like that is the greatest thing I've ever done is I have taken from so many sources to get to where I am right now. So will you give an example of that? Like, give me one thing that you're like, this is an example that I can show today that it, that is an output of all that. Okay. So in our gym, we kind of have a few tenants that make it unique. One is like scripts that we have created, um, knowing that kids are slower, not as smart, not as consistent as adults. And we have basically brought it down and watered it down to the lowest level we can to build someone up. We've also combined that with some of our, so that's my education. Um, We've also combined it with like my husband's got the engineering background and my mathematics with optimization. We just surveyed what is going on in our world. We were counting steps. Who's moving? Who's falling behind? Are they applying themselves enough? Are they not working enough? So we like kind of assessed in a almost um, quantitative way what people were doing. Um, and then we took the human aspect of it all, like the motivation, like what gets people to do the work? What in your head goes from, I'd rather be comfortable to, I'm going to do the work and combining those three things. So kind of that organizational, motivational, and educational pieces to get people strong because these stronger people are going to build a better world. God, that is so, so true. And I just have to say that um, there's so many things I love about that story, but one of the lessons I want all of us to take out of it is you need the human element and then you need the data. Like you really do need both to understand where you are and where you're headed. And I've learned that the hard way in a lot of my training too, because before it was more like, I feel this, or I think this, or like my goals are here, but I didn't know how to get there, you know? And then you get so demoralized because you think you're the problem, but the problem is you're not looking at the right stuff. Yeah. You're looking at the visual and the non-visual, the packageable and the non-packageable. And really without the two, without the action and observation, nothing good is going to come of it. You have to like toggle back and forth. What is happening? How do people feel about it? Like what's going on? Like you have to dig deep into both and then you can synthesize those two pieces into something that works. So you said something else in there that I want to ask you a follow-up question on, because while we are in very different worlds in terms of what we do for a living, both of our jobs are about helping people reach a higher level. 
right? And some, like mine is more on the mental side of like of innovation, but I, it all crosses together. We're all kind of one whole thing. What have you found are the keys to getting other people motivated consistently? Because I think there's a huge difference and a failure that a lot of us fall a trap maybe that we fall into, which is this kind of these spikes of motivation, but they don't last. What have you found in all this training helps you get someone to a place where they are at least more consistently pushing themselves? I think you're going to agree with me very much on this. It is in their heads. If you can motivate yourself once, you can motivate yourself a thousand times. You can use the same strategies, which are, I know what I need to do and I'm going to do it. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the biggest things I think is working with people on their inner talk that sometimes you have to start that process. You have to be the first believer. You have to share the piece of education, but you have to show them that it's already in them, that they can do this work. And that is kind of like this renewal thing that happens over and over as the cycle turns downward, right? Now, can I pull myself up? Do I have the knowledge? Do I have the willpower? Then I'm going to move forward. So we, we work a lot with people like you can't say the, the W word in our gym, which is weak. You, I mean, you can talk about the days of the week, but you can never call yourself weak. So we, we work with people on how do I say things like I'm getting stronger instead of saying I'm weak. So when you change that mental talk where somebody is like, I'm going to move to the better. That's how, that's how you're going to motivate them that they're going to think forward, not spiral into the vortex of despair. So you said something really powerful in there and you said it quickly. So I want to go back to it for a second. You said, and, and I totally agree with you. Like so much of it is all up here. So much of it. Um, but what you said is uh, if you can motivate yourself once you can do, use that strategy over and over again. And that really just sank in with me because I think we forget that. I think we forget that, oh, I actually know how to do this. It doesn't have to, this whole motivational thing doesn't require a new book, a new video, a new, like, I actually know, I've, I've done it before. Um, and I forget that all the time. I like that you used forget because I tell people, remember, we probably work with people in a certain social economics class. Um and man, are we freaking successful? I mean, degrees, like climb the ladder at work, have had kids, have like gone from nothing to owning homes, like have seen the world. We're talking about people that have like really striven and achieved. And then you talk to them about their current motivation to do small tasks. And they're like, I just don't have the ability to do this. And you're like, do you remember what you did with your life? Do you know how your efforts have brought you to where you are living this great life? People forget, people forget. It is their biggest problem that they're sitting on a wealth of experience and they forget that they did all of those things. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I love how you just integrated all of it. Like it isn't just, if you're on a fitness journey, remember you motivated yourself to get up and go running yesterday. And you're like, you're struggling today, but you know how to do it. You did it yesterday, but it's everything. You're so right. Like, that's just great. Wealth like, of experience and motivation. Yeah. And 
And it wasn't because you waited for that key ignition and inspiration to hit you. You said, I want to do this. And then you got up and you did it. That, that's what it was. It wasn't some magical intervention that happened. It was a change of your thought. And in, in an instant, lives can change. And especially when we're talking about directionally. So we think of in an incident could change, like things could be very different, but I mean, like you can go from one direction to a complete other direction, just instantaneously. You know, and I always tell people, you just got to go 2% different. That's it. Right. Because over time, right. If you looked at two straight lines, that 2% different creates a massive gap in where you end up. You'd be in like LA and I'd be in San Diego. We try to make it so hard, right? I think we try to make it so like, I've got to do a complete 180 overnight, but really, right. It's just like these little things that start to add up over time. uh, Overnight successes are 10 years in the making. You will, you will have a change of thought, start a different direction and you will build something great. Someone asked me that once they said something like, what does it feel like to like, you know, um, grown your business so quickly. And I was like, well, I don't know if quickly is how I would describe it. <laughs> I still count my learning fitness and having that first gym part is my 10 years to of success, course. which included an 18 month stint in Fiji as well. Like I couldn't have done all of this. And I think it's Tony Robbins says is people overestimate what they can do in, in, um, six weeks, uh, it'd have been six months. Uh, and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. You can do a lot with your life. And like you had said earlier, expression of potential, I think is both of our aims in life. It's probably the golden thread that we have running through both of us. It's just, it's shown in a different way. You must, you must make your life worth living. You must seek out to do better. You must try to change and improve. Your life is so meaningful and you can accomplish so much in your seven or eight decades here. So much. And it's never too late to start. That's the other part. It's never like, too late to start. There's always an opportunity to make it better. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Um, what's a story or an example of a time that you thought differently, created problem solve, like just did something that, you know, kind of went around a little bit of maybe status quo way of doing it to get a better result? Um. Well, I would say in our gym, the way that we set it up was different. So the standard model is everybody shares in most gyms and we compartmentalized our gyms. Um, So we have what we would call a unit, right? Like anything you want to scale needs a unit to, to scale and repeat. So we said, how do we put it all in one place for one person or two people or three people sharing something? And then COVID hit. Oh my gosh, we just opened the doors the next day when they said you can open the doors where we saw other gyms were hit so hard. They had never thought of giving people their own space before. So that's that was one of the greatest insights we've ever had. Now there is actually a trend of many gyms moving to this kind of partitioned off model. So in your gym, right, really what you're saying is for someone out there to visualize it is you were in a program in a class coming in, your station would be your station and you would have everything you need, almost like you have your own kitchen, right? Same kind of, there's no mass storage somewhere else. Yeah. 
That is so cool. And it's, isn't it what I, what I think, what really kind of strikes me about that too, Denise, is not only were you going against the traditional model in the gym, which is, I think others would say economy of scale, right? You share everything, everything moves around. There's a lot of other problems with that in a gym for other reasons, but that's a tiny little shift that actually helped you manage massive change that came down the road for all of us that people were not anticipating. And like, it was like zoom, you know, it was created before the pandemic, but then it had a use, then it was valid, <laughs> then it had a function and it serviced a lot of people without making a lot of change. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.